Hello and welcome to iPodius. Uh, it is I, John Hodgman. And I, Elliot Kalin. And now I lost my place. <laughs> Much like the elderly Claudius puttering around his, his palace puttering as emperor. His, his latrine. It's right. It's, it's, it's the beginning. It's the beginning of the whole thing. And I forgot what I was going to say. Welcome to iPodius. Oh, it's mushrooms. Mushrooms. This must be the mushrooms. Oh, yeah. You should have had your taster. Check yeah. those first. He's, but he's been so snooty lately. He's so snooty. Welcome to iPodius, a 12-episode podcast in which I, John, of the Judge John Hodgman podcast, watch I, Claudius, the famous 1976 BBC miniseries about ancient Rome, for maybe the fifth to a hundredth time. And he, Elliot <laughs> Kalin of the Flophouse podcast... That's me. ...watches it for the very first time, and then we talk about it. On this episode of iPodius, we will hear again from producer Jordan and her mom, Avis, and we all take the which I, Claudius character are you internet quiz. And in case you're wondering... Uh, none of us were pleased with the results. It was terrifying. We'll also hear more dispatches from the Empire from listeners like you. So, let the games begin. Mm-hmm. Hi, Elliot. How are you? I'm okay. How are you? I'm, I'm amazed at how, how every time I've tried to explain this podcast to people, it comes out sounding very complicated when it is actually very it's simple. Sim- it's a, it's the simplest thing. It's just, just you know, you say it's uh, Maximum Fun's very popular podcast, The Greatest Generation, except for... A 1976 miniseries about ancient Rome. There's just two guys talking about a TV show that, uh, well, one of them likes a lot and the other is watching for the very first time. And enjoying. Are you having a good time? Let's check in. Let's check in. <laughs> no, I'm Now actually... we're here. It's episode five mm-hmm. of both this mini pod and the miniseries I, Claudius. We're almost halfway through. Right. It is five of 12 episodes. And now that we're approaching the halfway mark... And particularly on this episode, which I found to be a little bit applauding. Mm-hmm. It's called Some Justice. Some Justice. But how are you feeling about it, Elliot? Are you glad, are you glad you're spending the time to watch this thing? I'm, I'm very glad that I'm spending the time to watch it, but it is the point where I start to realize, like, oh, 12 episodes is a full season of a TV show. That's a lot of episodes. And by this point, a number of characters that we've come to love and are very charismatic have died. Right. And you can see from the increasingly chalky and pale old age makeup that Livia is wearing that at some point her is, she as a character will not she's not going to continue to the end of the series. So it's like you're um, there's I get to a point where I'm like, oh, I wonder if this is going to keep being a show I like or if it's going to turn into something else. But it's starting to it's starting to I have to admit it's starting to weigh on me a little bit how much time the season is covering. Yeah, well, these are this is many, many, many years of Roman history. Yeah, it takes time. Even if you're going to skip five years in between episodes, it takes time to uh, to to get through it all. Even in the earlier episode where he was like, "Oh, she wanted him dead," but she had to wait nine years. Cut to nine years later. Right. It's like it's it's covering a it's it is covering a lot of time. But it's but that's also one of the interesting things about it is that. Uh, and as I'm sure you'll get into in I, Plotius, the plotting segment, there's a character who has been mentioned before and now is being more fully introduced 
who will become very important later. But it's it's interesting to see, uh, you know, as the as some what some characters leave the stage and other characters enter the stage, which I guess is life when you get down to it. Yeah, that's true. That's exactly what it is. All of life is but a play for me, John Hodgman, to enjoy. <laughs> while I while as as people come and go into my life and leave through discord or death, I simply sit back and enjoy it all and eat a popcorn and live forever. I think mm-hmm. that's pretty much the story of existence. That plus turtles all the way down, right? That's it. That's <laughs> yeah. the cosmology. Yeah, I guess that's how uh, uh, Bertrand Russell would describe it. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Sure. I was thinking Stephen King's The Dark Tower. Oh, I'm yeah, sitting well, in the Dark Tower and uh, me, me and the tortoise Maturin are watching everything pass. Well, see, that's I've never read the Dark to- Tower novels. I've only seen the movie of that. So we might have to do a Dark Tower books podcast since the movie does not really explain what, what the Dark Tower is all about. I've not... As as huge a Stephen King fan as I am, I've never read any of the Dark Tower books because I find it unfathomable. Oh yeah! In his spare time, aside from <laughs> aside from releasing two books a year or whatever, in the spare time he's just sort of like I don't want to use a term that diminishes Stephen King's art because he's an incredible writer, but he basically just farts out a nine <laughs> nine thousand page fantasy cycle that has nothing to do with Dairy Main or. A, Except it, everything, it's everything to do. Main, if you've read it, yeah, because he's done the because he's done the uh, he's doing the the writer thing that they do as they go along, where they're like, mm, I think all my characters know each other, which like almost every writer seems no, to fall prey he, to. He did. He come on, Stephen King, just like everyone's related in I Claudius Land. Stephen King started making those connections long ago. Early that's in true. His Very early on. That's true. Yeah, there was a there was a there was a a Kingiverse going back probably to. It would have to be 79 or 80, whenever Cujo came out. Yeah. Because that was set in, in Castle Rock and was informed by st- some of the stuff that happened in the Dead Zone. See, I know what I'm talking about, even though I haven't read The Dark Tower. Stephen King, if you're listening, <laughs> did you ever watch I, Claudius? I have, and Elliot's only seen half. And Elliot's getting bored, so uh, it sounds like I might need a new co-host pretty soon. <laughs> no, no, I'm not, not getting bored drop, at all. If you turn on this, Elliot, if you turn on on Claw Claw, I'm, I'm going to drop you. No, no, no. I, I think well, as you, I think what you'll you'll put your finger on this on this pulse uh, as the as doctor of uh, Claudiology at Max Fun University that this episode introduces. It's, a, it's an honorary title. It's an honorary doctor. <laughs> it's. Yeah, I mean, you can't Doctorally. practice. Yeah. The uh, the this this episode in particular introduces two new characters that we have never seen before and spends most of the episode on them. And it reminds me of when George R. R. Martin would do that in the Game of Thrones books. And I'd be like, I'm four books in. I don't want any new characters that are completely <laughs> unrelated to the characters I've come to love. And so right. I think that might be why this episode feels a little draggy at times. But why, tell us what it's about. Tell us what happens in it. Well, first of all, I just want to, I just want to pay homage once more to our, to our friend Brian Blessed. This is what we're talking about favorite characters come in going Brian Bless is my favorite character in the whole thing and he died in the last episode and poison his queen in, in such an incredible way I have a dispatch from the Empire to read uh, to, pertaining to that matter a little later on a letter from one of our um, soon-to-be listeners but uh, yes to, to now we have all, all we have a whole new Im- Imperial realm and a whole new dysfunctional Emperor in the person of Tiberius mm-hmm. and that brings us now to not this, where is, what is going on here? That brings us now to episode five, Some Justice. And now, as you mentioned a a, a privy earlier, uh, yeah, we open on old Claudius with indigestion, really burping up a storm. No, he's going to the, he's going to the toilet. He is, 
you know, I was complaining before about how, like, these all open the same way. It's just old man, pancake, old age makeup, Claudius sitting around in his room, musing. Mm-hmm. Now the gods heard my prayers. <laughs> they said, oh, you don't I, want the same old thing, huh? Well, yeah, how about he's... Uh... I sacrificed nine puppies to Hecate, and look what I get. <laughs> I Opening scene, I, Claudius, <laughs> on the can. I think so. it escaped me that he was actually on the toilet. Yeah. I, thought, but, I knew he was suffering from indigestion, but... That's what they that's what they called uh uh diarrhea in ancient. Oh, I see. Yeah. No, he's um he's pooping in the in this <laughs> there's no I mean just go go back, take a look. I will I will cuz so the for the first time iPodius the double uh the hidden innuendo in the title which doesn't really need to be there works for the first time because he is on the potty. Well, I think we're going to cancel this episode. <laughs> I think we're canceling the podcast. <laughs> I just got word in from Maximum Fun. The numbers, we haven't released any of these as we're recording these yet, but, but the numbers at, are just not what well, we hope. We have a real-time future listening rating, and as I said that, the ratings plummeted. Yeah, you should have seen the downward spike. It was it, <laughs> it was, it was like an ancient Roman poop going down a cistern, which is what we're seeing here, as, as old man Claudius is now uh, complaining about his indigestion, Politely, not referring to his diarrhea, he says he had mushrooms, and that makes him feel bad. And that's a that's a foreshadowing to something that happens later on. But meanwhile, it's a classic. What do you call it? A framing framing uh, moment mm-hmm. with with uh, old man Claudius just pooping and recapping. <laughs> Augustus is dead. He explains Tiberius is emperor, but he points out that he's a he's a weird dude who doesn't want to be emperor and is getting stranger and, and stranger. And then Germanicus has uh, died as well. Germanicus being his hunky blonde brother, who was the governor in Syria, who was considered to be the only check against Tiberius's worst dictatorial impulses. Tiberius's worst dictatorial impulses usually being carried out by Sejanus, a.k.a. Patrick Stewart with hair. But we'll get to them in a moment. Mm-hmm. We cut to Syria. Blonde hunk. Uh, Germanicus, sick and dead. His wife, Agrippina, wailing. Oh, nothing stands now between Rome and her imperial destiny. Little creepy Caligula creeping up to see his dead father. <laughs> Germanicus has died, Agrippina believes, because of poisoning. And later we'll understand she also believes that there is witchcraft involved. But right now... We As see... we've established, the uh, the Romans, very superstitious, very mystical. Right. And and as we've established, this is a point of hilarity for Herod Agrippa, the king, the king of Judea, who's a frequent visitor to Rome, because, of course, the Romans are supposed to be considered the most sophisticated people on Earth. And yet they're constantly check, checking their robes for bird poop, hoping they'd get some good luck. So anyway, <laughs> it's like, well, I think we're going to we're going to have to raise taxes. Uh Oh, a lightning bolt hit a hit a rock. We better not raise taxes. <laughs> that's you know, that's basically how the Roman Senate works. That's pretty pretty much how it works today as well. All right, so Agrippina, as opposed now, to now, when it's let's raise taxes. Oh no, what does one old rich man say? He says we shouldn't. Okay, forget it. We won't raise taxes. <laughs> look, much much more rational system. Look, Elliot, it's important that we keep politics out of this. Okay, sorry, keep politics out of this this show about the uh, the struggle over the emperorship of Rome. Yeah, this perfect allegory for the de- the decay of representative democracy, <laughs> <laughs> and it's and it's succumbing to to dictatorial authoritarian impulses, 
and uh, and and base power lust. Well, who knows? Maybe there's a maybe there's maybe there is a comparison to be drawn. Maybe we'll find out in this episode. But in the meantime, Agrippina is now full on anti Tiberius activist. She believes that Germanicus was poisoned by these incredibly familiar characters uh, that we know and love from many episodes so far: Piso and Placina. Oh no, we don't know them at all. We've never heard their we've never heard their names before, and a full half of this episode will be people talking about Piso and Placina in various expository terms to try to get you to understand who these people are. But it's still very confusing. Not since Augustus's friend was it Fabius showed up and was like, "Yo, I'm his friend," just so that they could or Maximus. That's what it was. Paulus Maximus, I think, right. showed up and they were like, "Oh, this is my friend." By the way, not since that has there been such blatant like, "Oh, we better." We got to shoehorn these characters in because they suddenly became very important in the historical record. Yeah, we forgot to introduce them. (laughs) This whole this whole episode uh, revolves around the accusation that Piso and Placina uh, carried out or ordered at least the poisoning of Germanicus plus the witchcraft issue. And they are, of course, on trial. They are the center of this plot, and they kind of forgot to introduce them three episodes ago. So here we go. Let's say Piso and Placina as much as possible. Piso and Pancina. Piso. Piso. Pancina. Piso. Pancina. Piso. Piso and Pancina. This is how little they were introduced before this, is that when they first mentioned them, I was like, oh, it must be these two dudes. Oh, no, no, wait. Piso and Placina are a married couple. Like right. it was, that I didn't even know at first that they were, what gender they were, how they were related. It's They're really just thrown into your laps as if, yeah, you remember your old buddies, Piso and Pancina. Piso and Pancina. Right. Your favorite characters. And let me it's... be clear, because they're they're so they're so minimal. I mean, the performances of Piso and Pancina are great. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, they are. There's a lot to watch. The guy does a lot of jowl acting. But I should point out that their names are Piso and mm-hmm. Plancina. I was saying Placina before because I'm very. I, I don't know what's wrong with me today. I don't know where I am in my. <laughs> In my brain or my document. Piso and Pancino. But I will say that when I was making notes for this, I was using the the auto, the dictation, you know, like speech to text uh, feature on my phone. So I was talking mm-hmm. to my phone about what I was, and boy, oh boy, does iPhone not know what Piso or Plancino means. <laughs> I mean, I was taking notes by hand, and I kept calling him Pios. So that's uh, right. The, I will. This is something that. Uh, Marvel Comics has done a number number of times the way they handle these characters where they introduce a new character and they're like, uh, by the way, this guy's always been there. Uh, Sentry, Jessica Jones, uh, the Blue Marvel, th- this character's been around for 40 years. Uh, so just pretend that this totally new character we just introduced yeah. is knows everybody and is a part of the history of the show. And Piso and Plancina are, are historical figures that... Uh, I actually made the mistake of doing some minor research and looking at their <laughs> Wikipedia page because I was trying to figure out who played Piso, and we'll come to him later. Oh, yeah. uh, but um, and discovered that you know a, a lot of what is accounted here or recounted here that Piso Piso was the governor of Syria. Germanicus came to Syria, fired him as governor. There was a lot of resentment on his part. Then Germanicus died mysteriously. People did think that Piso and Plancina may have had a hand at it in some way, especially after Piso then went back to Syria to reclaim his governorship in a very shady move that that some people interpreted to be mutinous. And that is the subject of the trial that will come later. Guess what? We just did a better job of explaining what's going on than the original show. <laughs> but we're getting ahead of ourselves. First, Agrippina is very sad. Caligula's creepy hand puts it, takes her hand. Cut to... 
New set, a new set. Mark it down in the record. We have a new set on this show with very few sets. This is no set at all, though. It's just a darkened <laughs> room. I was, I, I thought this was, I wasn't sure if there was an in, indoor or outdoor funeral procession. That's how dark it is and how yeah. small the, the, the space is. I was like, I honestly don't know if there's supposed to be on a road, in an outdoor market, in a plaza, in a closet, in a bedroom, in a hallway. Well, it's very unclear because Agrippina is greeted on this un- unclear passageway. She's marching back from Syria with a giant paper mache statue of Germanicus, which is creepy AF. And she's holding the urns that, con- that contain Germanicus's ashes. Remember him. Remember all your days how your father returned to you. Take it, Custer. Carry it to Rome. And by the love you had for my dear husband, defend his children and avenge his death. My babies! My babies! What have they done to you? But then Castor, who is the type, who is Tiberius's son, Lavilla's ex-husband. I don't remember anymore. So it doesn't matter. Forget about Lavilla. That's next time. <laughs> Castor, Tiberius's son, who by the way has an incredible head of Greg Brady hair. That's how oh, I yeah. always remember who he is. His hair is amazing. He's the he's the one guy who, where you look at him and you're like, oh, this show was made in the seventies. Yeah, he is great. He's got his. I would love to have that curling hair and later on when they age him up it looks even better but meanwhile he's still young he's still Tiberius's son but he has no love for his father the emperor Tiberius he's a friend of Agrippina he's a friend of the late Germanicus she said here Castor take this take his ashes to Rome I'm like aren't you doing that Agrippina wait where are we and then she said oh and Claudius you're here too and you're and he's crying like crazy because he misses his brother and he loved his brother and she asked where is Tiberius where is Livia and they're like, um, they're too beset by grief to show up, which Agrippina takes as a huge offense, understandably so. But on the other hand, we don't know where are they? Maybe they're looking for her. We don't know where she is. <laughs> it's very likely that they just cannot find her. And it's only by chance that Claudius managed to stumble in the dark onto yeah. where the funeral is. What do you think? There may be, maybe, I mean, my best guess is that there are a couple of miles outside of Rome and people have come to sort of herald their return of some kind yeah because as as we learned germanicus is incredibly popular the people of rome are are rending their garments in grief that he has died this is all explained to us in dialogue we don't see it again there are no crowd scenes in the show they're going claudius shit crazy you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) it's like they all took a bunch of bad mushrooms yeah hey everybody uh this is john hodgman and elliot kalen for ipodius a 12-part miniseries about i claudius just reminding you that if you're a child and you're listening to this while driving the car, uh, this is an adult podcast with adult themes, just like ancient Rome was adult time. So mm-hmm. I'm going to say I'm going to say words that I don't say on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Elliot, is the Flophouse a family friendly podcast in terms of language? Is there it is not. It is a very unfamily. We we earn that uh, that uh, that e. Yeah, that right. that rating of uh, no kids, but people do listen to it with kids still, so that's on them. At that's this point, on I, them. I feel like we've established at this point that it is not a family friendly podcast. But people yeah. still do. So Agrippina is offended. She's mad at Tiberius. Basically, she's about to lead an uprising against him and Livia, who is still around. That is his mother, of course, who poisoned everyone who got in his way. The famous secret poisoner Livia, the mother of the nation, as she is called. And then she says to Castor, "Actually, give." Give me the urn back. 
Take it back. <laughs> Put it on the hearse with the creepy cardboard uh, paper mache sculpture of my husband, and we march on to Rome. Cut to inner cardboard chamber, the seat of the emperor's office. And Tiberius now and Patrick Stewart in full hair and white neckerchief are complaining about the crowds below. The, the field of Mars is lit up with the mob who hate Tiberius. And what does Tiberius hate more than anything else? People hating him. There's a lot of bad feeling out there. It's all directed at me. What do they want of me? They always preferred him to me. Why? Yeah. What does he? What does he do? In, as a result, acts more hateful. He's all he wants is to be loved, and all he wants to do to be loved is nothing. Nothing that would make people love him. He's yeah. just like he's like. Ooh, I don't like it when people don't like me. But I guess I'm just one of those guys. I'm one of those guys that does mean things. He wants to be loved, but wants to do nothing in order to be loved. He's one of those guys, which is to say, he's all of the guys. <laughs> well, he reminds me of a uh, of a uh, what. Uh, Brett Gelman says in the last episode of uh, the second season of Fleabag, where he's like, I'm not a bad person. I just have a bad personality. Brett Gelman, my co-star in the TV show Married, I think you mean. I think that's uh, yeah, I, I forgot that was the legally part of his name. Yeah, And a, and a, and a very, very talented comedic actor, uh, a genius, a genius. And someone, no, they never ask Brett, they never ask Brett Gelman to shave his beard. They never ask him to shave. Brett Gelman gets away with stuff I can never get away with. Oh, have, genius. They, have they asked That's you to, sha- to shave oh, your facial hair? They ask me to hair? shave all the time, yeah. And then I go, <laughs> I'd rather not. And they go, no. <laughs> um, let's cross him off every list ever. <laughs> Too difficult, maintains beard. But that's, mm-hmm. uh, that's another story that you can read all about in Medallion Status. True Stories from Secret Rooms, the new book by me, John yeah. Hodgman. Chapter 11, Why Can't I Wear My Beard? That's actually chapter... Two. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Made it earlier into the book than I realized. Yeah. Chat, the, oh, the whining begins right away. I don't think. <laughs> Bit.ly slash medallion status, all capital letters, all one word. Always be plugging if you want to learn more or maybe even order it. But here we are in the inner cardboard chamber. Pat, uh, Tiberius is really sad. Patrick Stewart's like, you don't have to be loved. Enter Livia, who... <laughs> Who, who settles in and goes, You just don't have a lovable nature. It's unfortunate, but even your own son doesn't care for you much. I think I'm loved by a great many people. Oh, you're loved, all right, but you're not well loved. And you are, I suppose. Well, as to that, I couldn't say, but unlike you, I don't worry about it. <laughs> I feel like every scene from this point on is Livia regretting that this is the guy she made emperor. That, like, right. It was good for her, I guess, but she's like, Oh, boy, what a... This is, is this the best I'm going to get from him? She, she's so, is she's so disdainful of her son. Oh, she, she comes in, she comes in like with a, a knife in each hand. <laughs> yeah. And you know what I mean? Like she's like X-23 in this thing. Oh, you know wow. what I mean? She's, yeah. she's got not, that's, that's Wolverine's daughter, right? Yeah. Well, it, uh, Wolverine, yeah, you might clone. as well just say daughter. Her, yeah. Clone, clone that he took on it. Anyway, but uh, I'm just, it's a real, that's a real contemporary comic book reference. I'm just impressed. And that's. <laughs> And then Sejanus turns around and says something to the kin of, well, of course they loved Augustus. Everyone is loved when they're dead. To which Olivia slices back, eh, I wouldn't count on it in your case. <laughs> and two people are murdered in the room. And then the, the, the cardboard is covered with blood. The end. End of series. Mm-hmm. No, it's just rhetorical slaying because she's so incredibly disdainful of Tiberius. And, you know, I, I'm going to pause here just for a moment to say, uh, Elliot, what, what do you think Livia's motive is here? At this point, when she is 
just being sarcastic to him or, or being bitter to him or in no, general? Like, why did she want Tiberius to be emperor? There's clearly a, there's clearly a worry that she expresses over and over again that one of her weaker progeny is going to try to return Rome to the Republic. And she does not want that for yes. some, for some reason. Do you think, or you could read it as that's just her pretense for striving for power to be the wife and then mother of the emperor of Rome. I think it's, they're not, they're not mutually exclusive. I think it's a little bit of both. If someone is going to be the power behind the throne of Rome, it's going to be her. And the only way to do that is if it is her husband or her son who is in charge. But also I think she does, I was reading about her and it talked about how she literally grew up and came of age during that era of civil war. And so that she, may have had a real fear that if a bad emperor is better than a failing democracy that leads to bloodshed that better to have a better to have a tyrant who at least keeps a war from happening than to have people controlling their own lives but leading to massive tragedy really ultimately none of this matters and i think the same way that we see claudius at the beginning of each episode not always on the toilet but when we see him uh kind of reliving his memories that's mm-hmm. happening to every one of the characters in the show. They're all three-dimensional characters for the most part. And so Claudius is not the only one with an inner life. And Livia, for however evil she is and her actions are, she's probably reliving those actions and seeing where she made mistakes and either ruining them or ruining that she had to do them to make those sacrifices. She's really like a prisoner of her own designs at this point. It's the old, uh, it's the old line, I used to do this to people at work all the time when they like got their own office or something. I'd uh-huh. be like, well, you got what you wanted, but was it worth it? <laughs> <laughs> and like she got what she wanted, but it may not have been worth it. And the things she did to get there, she probably is now like Ugh, all this. T-. And she's trapped. It's not like she can stop now. This right. is just, this is just it. So Livia in this case explains to Tiberius who goes, why are we talking? She explains. <laughs> <laughs> she's heard that Agrippina and Castor are going to bring, here they come, your old friends, Piso and Plancina, to trial for the murder of Germanicus. They're going to try to sue him for, for murder and treason in the courts. Piso and Plancina. And everyone who's watching goes, oh, wow, I can't believe, <laughs> I can't, my old friends, Piso and Plancina. They were, my, not, <laughs> yeah, my reaction is more than of, no, not Piso, not Plancina. But that is Tiberius's reaction. Tiberius does not want these incredibly familiar characters to be tried <laughs> for murder or treason because it's he likes be- them. It's beloved characters. Right. And as well, there's the implication that he okayed their poisoning of his brother Germanicus. And then we go out with some incredible closing dialogue. Tiberius says, this is one of, my, one of the great backs and forths in a series of great backs and forths. Good writing by Jack Pullman. Has it ever occurred to you, mother? That it's you they hate, and not me. There is nothing in this world that occurs to you that has not occurred to me first. That is the affliction I live with. Boom. And then, weirdly, she dropped a microphone before leaving. Yeah, they leaving. didn't even have I, those back I, then. I think that was an anachronism. I think that was, <laughs> I think that was like a that was like a Starbucks cup in the Game of Thrones lint. Do you know yeah, what I mean? It, yeah, it's the it's the one episode where you can hear the studio audience go. After she says it. All right, let's move on. You know what? Let's not move on. Let's take a little break. (laughs) 
Hi, Podius. The show you are listening to right now is brought to you by you. You brought it to yourself. You're a MaxFun listener. You're a MaxFun member, I hope. And it's because of your devotion to this network that we actually did it and watched this show and made a show about it. But it's also brought to you by Acorn TV. Acorn TV is your one-stop shop on the high street of the internet for the finest in television from Britain, Ireland, Australia, and beyond. I've been making my queue, that's a British term for line or list, of things that I want to watch on Acorn TV. I just noticed that my fave, Toby Jones, from The Detectorists, which is on Acorn TV and is a must-watch if you are a friend of Hodgman, is also starring in an adaptation of the classic Joseph Conrad novel, The Secret Agent, available on Acorn TV. Plus, Guy Pierce from Memento is in, in a private investigation show called Jack Irish. There are two things about British television as well as Irish television and Australian television. One is that these places produce on, the only good actors. They're the ones who come over here and take all our movie jobs. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at you, Chris Hemsworth. I could have been Thor. That's what I'm saying. But no, they wanted an Australian. Why? Because they're incredibly well-trained actors over there. They're the best. And also, the other thing about British television... They're not afraid to put someone on television who looks like an ordinary human being. <laughs> I mean, I was watching the two the two hairy bikers in the pubs that build Britain. Those guys are a delight, and they look like normals. I mean, there are <laughs> there are still many people on British and and uh, and outside television who are beautiful and handsome. Well, I, well, Guy Pierce is over there, of course. Yeah, come on. But you also Toby Jones gets to star in a thing. That's why some of the greatest actors who are making big big movies in the United States go back to England, Ireland, Australia, and beyond to make television shows because they get to act. Toby Jones gets to star in a thing, and it's called The Secret Agent. And you're going to see other great stars like Benedict Cumberbatch, like Sandra Oh, like the Academy Award winner, Olivia Colman, all over these shows, all available on Acorn TV. What have you been watching on Acorn TV lately? The fantastic thing is just seeing what a deep well of shows there are here but i noticed something recently that i haven't that i'm that you might be interested in also they have a documentary series called scotch the story of whiskey uh and i'm very uh i want to know more about where scotch comes from and how it's made and things like that i drank it but i don't know where it comes from and i it's time for me to stop drinking things where i don't know where they come from uh yeah believe believe me especially now yes now know where your liquids come from yes so there's Lots of great shows of all different kinds. Mysteries, thrillers, comedy, mysteries, dramas, mysteries, romances, mysteries. There's a lot of mysteries. There are a lot of mysteries. A lot of mysteries. You like mysteries especially. This is for you. Uh, with those big stars. I could not have been more personally thrilled being an Acorn TV subscriber when long before this started to learn that Acorn TV was interested in supporting the iPodius podcast. So here's what you do. Visit www.acorn.tv or download the Acorn TV app on your favorite device and use code PODIUS, P-O-D-I-U-S, for an extended 30-day free trial. That's acorn.tv, code PODIUS, Acorn TV, world-class TV from Britain and beyond. This is your captain with an update from the flight deck. We'll be reaching Max Fun Drive on March 16th. That's right on time. As a reminder, Max Fun Drive runs for just two weeks, and it's the best time of year to support the podcasts you love. 
If you look towards the front, you'll see your favorite hosts with special bonus content and lovely thank you gifts for new and upgrading monthly members. Now, sit back, relax, and catch up on your favorite Max Fun shows now so you can listen to the new episodes releasing March 16th. And thanks again for choosing Maximum Fun. And we're back. It's I, Podius, episode five, covering I, Claudius, some justice. And it is I, John Hodgman. And I, Elliot Kalin. So we cut now. Olivia just dropped the mic on those guys. And we cut to cardboard dining room. Uh, Another uh, everyone lying down on couches eating dinner scene. So Agrippina is explaining that not only did Piso poison her husband, uh, Germanicus, but the Tiberius was probably behind it. And Antonia who is Claudius' mother, is also there. And it's a classic lying down, uh, shoving food in your mouth, conspiracy theory scene. Dearly as I love my son, I can't believe what you're saying. Piso, yes, we all know his record. But Tiberius... Then why did he appoint Piso governor of Syria? There were others he could have chosen. But it wasn't a good choice, I grant you. But don't ask me to believe that an emperor of Rome would stoop to such methods. Oh, those are his methods. He doesn't need to stoop. I was surprised that how openly they're talking about like, oh, yeah, yeah, Livia poisons people. And it reminded me of, it felt, at first it felt weird to me, but now I guess it, it, the more I think about it, the more real it feels to living in a world where shocking and horrifying things are happening kind of all the time without repercussion. And so you just kind of get numb to it. The way that people talk about politics now, where things that were nope. terrifying a year or two nope. ago, now they're like, yeah, it's bad that that's happening. They're just kind of like sitting around, lying down, eating, and like, yeah, 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 Livia probably poisoned Germanicus, just like she poisoned everybody else. And Claudius is like, well, that's what happens, poisoning. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't see uh, I don't see what connection you're trying to draw at all to anything. Oh, boy, I'm just whiffing this whole episode. Everything I'm saying. No, no, no strong, my connections are not, are not working out. I'm no, ruining so my career. You're, you're absolutely, you're absolutely <laughs> right. You're absolutely right. And obviously, you, you know this. This was this was true in 1976 when this came out. People were were reeling in the aftermath of Watergate, mm-hmm. which you know our younger listeners, uh, and I hope there are many children out there listening to me swear. <laughs> our younger listeners probably will not recall, but uh, Wa- Watergate, re- a- a- along with Vietnam, were the one-two punch that really undid America's mythology about itself as a system of laws and a and a and a just nation, a mythology which had was was a pure myth from the very moment, and and indeed the many many years before this nation was founded, of course, because we were founded on slavery and uh, genocide and all kinds of other horrible things that we are only beginning to own up to, just conceptually. But a morale in America was pretty low at this time. It did feel like maybe horrible stuff is happening that we can't control. And Watergate was a situation where the president broke some laws and was held accountable. Uh... That's pretty ancient history right there. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, I mean, as as impossible as it is to imagine, (laughs) that was something that happened and actually happened in American history where a president broke some laws and was held accountable. Mm-hmm. But and now it's just like whatever. Moonshot, Woodstock, Watergate, punk rock, Big and Reagan, Palestine, terror on the airline. 
Can't believe you know that many words to that song. <laughs> it was very big when I was the age when songs could lodge in my brain and just stay there. So now we see the whole team, the whole team who are are, are <laughs> the the seamen, the Cla- Claudius's superhero group that they've he's he's assembled. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I summon Claudius, Antonia, <laughs> Castor, Agrippina, and incredibly handsome Herod Agrippa plus. <laughs> Random old guy. And then eventually, hey, it's me, little Caligula. I'm the kid. <laughs> yeah, he's not on the team. But we'll... <laughs> so the so they think it's not only poison that was this, that was the cause, but also witchcraft. And they go into you had mentioned before, and they go here into great detail about why they think it was witchcraft. He made a propitiating sacrifice of nine black puppies to Hecate. <laughs> which was the proper thing to do when being victimized. And the very next day, a slave who was washing the floor of the hall noticed a loose tile. Lifting it up, he saw beneath it the naked and decaying corpse of a baby, its belly painted red with horns tied to its forehead. We made an immediate search in every room and equally gruesome finds were made. Corpse of a cat with rudimentary wings growing in its back, the head of a negro with a child's white hand stuck in its mouth. The skull of an ass with the word Germanicus written across it. Oh, cock's feathers smeared in blood were found among the cushions. The word Rome written upside down. And the number 17. It's a dead cat with rudimentary. That's the, de- that's the, wor- the word I like the best there, rudimentary. <laughs> They're like, don't, don't have any illusions. This cat could not fly. <laughs> Just like so, cre- like a cat with wings alone is weird. It's like stunted wings. <laughs> the head of, and we're going to use an older, an old fashioned term here, but this is what's used in the show. The head of a Negro, a black man with a, ch- with a ha- child's hand in its mouth, severed head also hidden somewhere in their room. That is one of the more elaborate of the curses, the curse props. Yeah. And they are props. I mean, each time she speaks about them, they flash to... A prop dead baby and a prop dead cat with rudimentary wings and then a prop severed head with a hand in its mouth. And it's quite gruesome. What do you think when when you were watching this? Was this fun television for you? I mean, it was pretty it was a little fun, but only because I was like, I was like, these are crazy things to find in your house. And I'm amazed that they actually made the props because you and they must have known that it would be like shocking. So so it's worth making them because the show is not prop heavy. As no. we've talked about many times, it's not production value heavy. No. So for and them the, to make the these props one... Them, the, the props themselves aren't very heavy because they're made out of balsa wood and plastic. <laughs> and it's so uh, it's so so that they went to the trouble of making these one-use props just to be on screen. It's like a little bit of, uh, I guess, them knowing, like, we got to show these things. You can't just say a cat with rudimentary wings and not show it, even though it's never going to look very good. But this whole this whole... This whole series is based on describing things while lying down on a couch eating dolmas. Do you know what I mean? Like whole battles and huge important events are just described from one character to another. They didn't have to do these single frame shots of these of these gruesome and, you know, paper mache. I mean, they're they're only even more gruesome because they're kind of cruddy models of weird stuff that they found in Germanicus's bedroom. But in any case, this this along with some other weird omens and portents uh, are the are the evidence that Agrippina presents to the group, the the seamen, 
for why this has to be witchcraft. Because how else could it be? If not witchcraft, how else? His jade talisman stolen from it beneath his pillow? If that's not witchcraft, uh, what, what could it be? It all happened in rooms where no one but the family had access and the windows were too small for anyone but a child to get in. Who mm. could have gotten in there? What creepy small person could have had access to the whole whole house and then cut to a scene of a little baby Caligula standing behind his mom going, ahem, ahem. <laughs> the most obvious cough, cough, it was me in the world. It's, he might as well just been like, you rang. <laughs> and My ears are burning. About, do we know anything about this actor who played young Claudius? A young Caligula? Oh, yeah, excuse me, young Caligula. Because he is, he's truly one of the creepiest. I'll, I'll explain to the rest of everyone what else happens in this. So this is, uh, his name is Robert Craig Morgan. Oh, you got uh, to that very quickly. And uh, yeah, well, it's, it's the power of the internet. Uh, he, for, he was, he's best known, apparently he played uh, a character on a TV show called Grange Hill, which he was on for five years when he was a kid. And it says he left acting in the 1990s to go into stage management and television production. And uh, today he runs a small organic holding in the Republic of Ireland. Wow. Well, maybe maybe we should go take a field trip to <laughs> whatever an organic holding is. <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing it's a, a farm, but I'm not sure. If anyone knows, please write in. It's too late. We're never going to get to it. But he definitely, he has, a, he has a real creepy aspect to him, for sure. Yeah, this is one creepy kid. He looks like a village of the damned ch- child. Mm-hmm. And he also, it is in, highly implied at this moment that he had, he had something to do with his own father's death. But meanwhile, he doesn't want to go back to bed because he had a nightmare about bats or something. Claudia says, why don't you sleep with my, why don't you have a sleepover with my son Drusillus? And Claudius Caligula says, I'd rather sleep with my sister Drusilla. And Antonia goes, whoa, you're terrible. (laughs) But she takes him back to his bed and Claudius has the, uh, the insight that they should, that if they're going to try Piso and uh, and uh, Plancina for murder and treason. It should happen in the Senate rather than in the courts because Tiberius would have to hear the case himself and there would be less possibility for him to manipulate this outcome behind the scenes. Yeah, this, the Senate which, is more public than the courts and so it, everything would right. be in, in front of everybody. In plain view. Sunlight is the best disinfectant. And I guess this is an incredibly <laughs> smart idea because Herod says my favorite line, my second favorite line of the whole series. Oh, clever, claw, claw. Cut to round-faced Piso in the inner cardboard chamber oh, saying... We finally see him after all this time. Oh, no, it's great to see his favorite character again. I, when was he going to come back? <laughs> we finally see Piso and Plancina, your old friends. Piso is played by a guy named Stratford Johns. Mm-hmm. And he is one of the great jowl actors, as I mentioned earlier. He's a he's a he's a he's a round faced fella, and I can I can say that because I'm I'm a member of the same round faced heavy neck meat <laughs> club that he is a part of. Uh, and but he, I wish I could do the kind of jowl acting he does. He does convey so much with the the tremor of his of his cheeks and the and the amount he sweats through them. Oh yeah, his face is a, is his instrument, and he plays it very well. And. Uh, it's he was best known in England for playing the same character, a police officer named Charlie Barlow, in several different TV series. Oh, really? He was there's a show called Z Cars, then a show called Softly Softly, then Softly Softly Task Force, and this takes him from the early '60s to the early '70s for about ten years, playing the same character in these three different shows. So I wonder. So viewers at the time might have been like, "Oh, this is crazy that he's a he's he's a police officer. What's he doing being all sinister in this?" 
he's he's a, a, an amazingly weaselly character in this. Yeah. I mean, he portrays him with so much self-centered pride and so much cowardice at the same time, and the way he switches from one to the other. Oh, it's it's treason now, is it? What what will they think of next? That I I caused a, a plague of moths. <laughs> Or, or it is I who am uh, polluting the Tiber. <laughs> I mean, there was a drought on in Syria when I left. Perhaps, perhaps I caused that as well. And let's do justice to the woman who played Plancina as well. Well, that's Irene Hamilton is her name. Oh, ah, Elliot Kalin with the win. <laughs> and she, she's a, she was also mostly a, a British television actor, it looks like. Oh, really? That's a surprise for this show. Okay, <laughs> so... <laughs> well, and, and probably a theatrical actress as well, you know, but anyway. Yeah. So Plancina and Piso explained to Tiberius that, you know, Germanicus and Agrippina, when they were in Syria, were very rude to them. They, they, when they had a, a state dinner, they were seated on the third couch. Piso pleads his innocence with totally, totally on his face, guilty sanctimony. Like, there's no, there's no way he didn't poison this guy. It's obvious that he and Plancina were co-conspirators to this. And Tiberius is just going like, what's going on? What what are they what are these guys dragging me into at this point? He has to leave the room for a second, and Piso reaches into one of the three places you can keep a scroll, which is your epaulette, uh, your sleeve, it? your epaulette, your sleeve, or in this case, your secret toga pocket, <laughs> and and occasionally a bucket in the in the basement, a leather bucket somewhere. That's right. Sometimes a leather bucket in the basement. We later learn that he also keeps a knife in that pocket, so it's lucky he didn't slice his hand open. <laughs> Each one written in his own handwriting. Quote, I have the utmost faith in you. Quote, any steps take to check disloyalty will be looked on kindly by the Senate and the citizens of Rome. Now, what did he expect me to make of such phrases? I'm not a fool, neither is he. A very, very vague suggestion that Tiberius would like him to do something bad to Germanicus, right? Mm-hmm. So he's like, this is going to get me off the hook. I'm like, <laughs> whatever, whatever, dude, you're, you're reaching. It's like the ancient Roman version of like, uh, hey, if you could uh, handle that thing. Yeah, exactly. But he's going to play this card because that's all he's got. But uh oh, Tiberius comes back and he's like, who is the woman Martina? Martina, it turns out, was a notorious poisoner in Syria. And she is the person that can connect Piso and Plancina to the death of Germanicus directly. Mm-hmm. And Tiberius wants to know if they know her. And they're like, we knew her slightly. I could not act more guilty about it. That's Plancina. And then he said, did you know she was a notorious poisoner? And Piso was like, poisoner? She ever been convicted of poisoning? Which is such a weird question to ask. <laughs> if you're pretending you're innocent. It's such a, it's such a trolly Twitter reply. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, exactly. When, I, when it's saying like, well, you know, this comedian's a creep. And it's like, well, he wasn't convicted of anything. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> even Plancina looks at him going like, there's such a great moment with that actress, uh, Irene Hamilton, he goes, was she ever convicted of, of poisoning? <laughs> and, and she just like, looks at him and she's like, shut up. Sh- leave that alone. <laughs> <laughs> Throughout Wrong the play. episode, she is just watching him dig himself deeper and being like, what are you doing? <laughs> I know. And she's feeling dragged down with him. So even though these are not our favorite familiar characters, they, they're doing a good job creating a little mini drama of their own, a little sitcom called The Pizos. <laughs> Tiberius says they don't know where Martina is. They just know that she exists and she's coming to Rome, but they don't know where she is. And Tiberius asks if they have anything to fear from her. And Piso says, yes, 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 everything with every shivering jowl, but actually says, "Mm, no, probably not. (laughs) 
<laughs> and Tiberius is like, uh, I hope we find her first, because uh, if not, you guys are effed and I'm not going to help you. Cut to new set, new set, new set announcement. It's a room made of tablecloths. Herod's <laughs> friend, Gershom, who is presumably Jewish, says, I presumably. love this room. Well, <laughs> I don't, is, you know. He is, he is speaking as a Jewish person. He is everything about him screams. This is what an English person thinks a Jewish person is like. Right. It's almost like they're like, Herod is a little too smooth and too cool and handsome to be acceptable fully as a Jewish person. So let's get in this kind of like blustery bearded yeah. guy who's swayed by money and is like, oh, ah, that really disapproves of everything. And anyway. Yeah. Get us get us the worst Tevya from the worst <laughs> production of Fiddler on the Roof. There you go. And they're looking at a room to keep Martina in because guess what? Agrippina and the Seaman have Martina. They've intercepted her and they're going to produce her to convict Piso and Plancina, and they, but they need to keep her safe, so they're going to rent a room. And Gershom says, I love this room. It was my life. But you won't mind letting it to us. Who can afford to keep an empty room, but we've got to pay in advance? And you could say maybe it's because he and Herod know each other, you know, that like, but uh, it's there's a no. lot of like, I won't do it. I won't do it. I won't approve of it. Well, here's some more money. Okay, here you go. Like, yeah, it's deep. It's deeply offensive. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we cut back to the cardboard Senate. Hey, it's it's uh, trial time. Piso <laughs> is on trial for murder and treason. Caster slash Greg Brady hair makes the case that after Germanicus got creeped to death by the weird stuff they found in the walls, Piso <laughs> raised a rebellion to regain Syria from the new government. Cut to a cardboard hallway for some reason. Claudius gets body slammed by Caligula as he flees from Antonia. Antonia, of course, is Claudius's mother. She's a very strict Roman lady. Antonia caught little Caligula Hugging and kissing his own sister Drusilla, just like he wanted. He is revolting, and so is she. I've locked her in the oh, room. Well, mother, and you, you are can't. a blockhead if you believe his well, lies. Where are you taking him? To the cellar to lock him in. Please don't let her take me. Please, Uncle Gorgeous. I hate the cellar. I'm afraid. Yeah, well, you know, if you leave him here with me, I'll talk to him. He needs a good whipping, not a talking to. Caligula does the worst stage fake bite of Antonia's hand. <laughs> no, no offense to the gentleman whose name I forget who has the organic holding in, in uh, Ireland. Robert Craig Morgan. Yeah. Robert Craig Morgan. You, you are a naturally creepy kid. You did a great job. <laughs> if there's one, I mean, if you're thinking about returning to acting. Now, <laughs> Work on your stage bites. Yeah. Yeah. It's one piece of constructive criticism I can, I can offer you. Work on your stage bites. I gotta say, if an organic holding is a farm, then Robert Craig Morgan's stage bites could be some kind of kale chip or something like that. Just think about it. Think of it as a brand. Think of it as a brand. Uh, Antonia is, is, is ashamed of what the moral state of Rome. The next thing you know, it won't just be a little child sleeping with his sister. It might be a creepy child uh, creeping their dads to death. Exit Antonia, who's so mad at Claudius that she says to him that she wished he had died instead of Germanicus. Poor Claudius just takes it in his stride. And yeah. Claudius has a talk. He sits Caligula down. And he says, you cannot hug and kiss your own sister. And Caligula says, why? He basically just smirks and is like, mm, I'm going to do it and I'm going to keep doing it. And there's nothing you can do to stop me. And he says he's going to hit Caligula if he doesn't straighten up. He said, I'll clout you around the head. Yeah. And, uh, I w that was the Claudius clout. That was his finishing move. Clever uh, claw clout. Yeah. In, the, in Roman combat. I will say just a quick historical. Uh, Lecture him. Thing. <laughs> Flawless talking to. The. Uh, that uh, there's no real contemporary historical sources that 
describe Caligula as engaging in relations with his sister or other family members. That's something. That's a story that was uh, spread very widely and is now considered, you know, part of the legend of Caligula after his death. But it's one of those things that we'll never really know if it's really true or just slander that was spread around him. But the the show takes it again. Anything bad that was said about a Roman, the show takes as gospel. And so it's like, even as a kid, he's like, mm, <laughs> I want that sister. Well, he does want his sister, so he runs off, and later on he'll get her. But that's another story, because meanwhile, uh, bad news. Agrippina and Herod come in. Martina has been captured by, they presume, Sejanus, which is bad news for them because they lost their best witness. Cut back to Piso on trial, cardboard senate chamber. Piso says that he was accused of celebrating Germanicus's death by sacrificing animals and temples in a celebra- in an orgy of celebration. Orgy of celebration, he says. One you and a goat? You call that? <laughs> pretty pretty pathetic sacrifice, I have to say, compared to nine nine puppies to Hecate. That's a, one you and a goat. Blech. Yeah. <laughs> so Piso's got his little plan here. He knows that he can't open those scrolls because they're under imperial seal. But his plan is that he's going to produce them in the Senate and just sort of like show <laughs> show Tiberius that he's got him. And he drops him like a microphone on that little pedestal. And Tiberius did not like that. You can look on his face. George Baker knows how to act. He's really mad. He does not mm-hmm. want to be implicated in this thing at all. It is it is one of the uh, one of the abiding idiocies of Piso that he's like, hmm, what's going to get on the good side of the guy I need to protect me? If I make it clear that I can get him into trouble. Yeah, no. <laughs> Yeah, basically, black. He's blackmailing him, or I should say, black black scrolling him. <laughs> so, Castor, who's who's uh, Greg Brady here, he's the, he's the prosecutor in this case. wants the wants the letters to be read aloud, but Piso explains they bear the imperial seal, and therefore no one may read them. And then some senator, no man, gets up and says, "Well, the emperor can allow these documents to be to be seen." And the emperor says, "Well, I have nothing to fear in those." documents i totally would allow them to be read they're fantastic great letters they're going to show great things about me they're terrific they're perfect in every way but the problem is the letters are under audit and i can't allow them to be read even though there's nothing at all incriminating in them and i'm a billionaire and i'm the emperor and the whole thing is like well what what precedent would it set if imperial letters were allowed to be read and we're as we record this you'll be hearing this much later it is literally the news story about how the president was blackmailing ukraine to go after joe biden and he's and people are like well the bigger issue is should we know what's going on in presidential phone calls i ask you are, shouldn't that isn't that sacrosanct and it's like no dude not if he's breaking the law but uh it's it's the it's the exact same issue in ancient rome where it's like uh yeah these letters might might say something incriminating but isn't it more important that the sacredness of the male be protected <laughs> i don't know what you're referring to at all it's just a, it, this is a very specific thing that's never been repeated <laughs> it's never happened before, where, never happened where, again where a secret of the executive branch is under seal, and even though the the representative branch has the has the uh, the power to ask for it, the the executive branch is just saying uh, n- no. <laughs> it's just a Roman thing. It's always Rome. Uh, now, right. uh, how so, does Plan Cena feel about Piso's plan? <laughs> well, hang on a second. Maybe we should take a little break. <laughs> Welcome back to Fireside Chat on KMAX. With me in studio to take your calls is the dopest duo on the West Coast, Oliver Wong and Morgan Rhodes. Go ahead, caller. 
hey, uh, I'm looking for a music podcast that's insightful and thoughtful, but like also helps me discover artists and albums that I've never heard of. Yeah, man. Sounds like you need to listen to Heat Rocks every week. Myself and I'm Morgan Rhodes and my co-host here, Oliver Wong, talk to influential guests about a canonical album that has changed their lives. Guests like Moby, Open Mike Eagle, talking about albums by Prince, Joni Mitchell, and so much more. Yo, what's that show called again? Heat Rocks, deep dives into hot records. Every Thursday on Maximum Fun. Hey everybody, this is just a reminder that all these episodes of iPodius have been pre-recorded, including all the letters. So when you send me letters at Hodgman at MaximumFun.org, I enjoy them. The world cannot, unless you want to post or repost them at the Maximum Fun subreddit on the Reddit website. The Maximum Fun subreddit is a subreddit on Reddit where people talk about Maximum Fun shows, including iPodius. And I've been using it a lot, getting in there and answering people's questions and saying thank you for their comments. Uh, It's a really fun community, and we're doing a lot of iPodius talk over there. So if you have memories of watching iClaudius in Latin class or in a weird moment with your mom or dad when you were a kid, uh, just think to maybe go over there if you want. Reddit.com slash r slash maximum fun. That's reddit.com slash r slash maximum fun. Look for the Judge John Hodgman discussions. Look for the Flophouse discussions. Look for the iPodius discussions. And discuss. Thanks. Hey, we're back. It's I, John. And I, Elliot. And you're still listening to iPodius, a 12-part mini-podcast empire surrounding the colony of I, Claudius, a 12-part miniseries from 1976 about ancient Rome. When we last left Piso, he was jowl-smirking in the Senate because Tiberius (laughs) would not open those scrolls. And now we get the very first episode. I think, you know what I feel like? I feel like this is a backdoor pilot for a spinoff. Okay. I think because we get, first of all, we get a new set. This is a lot of new sets for this show. <laughs> this is the, this is Pizos and Plancina's pad. This is like mm-hmm. the Pizos. This is their, this is their home at home with the Pizos. The Pizos. Oh, <laughs> everything's he, coming up Pizzo. Everything's coming up Pizzo. <laughs> and Plancina's like, you got some splaining to do. And the way she enters, it is like, it, the way both of them enter, it's like the studio audience is supposed to applaud each time. Like, really oh, Plancina, why? All, all the scenes at home with the Pizos truly did feel like a sitcom to me. You have to give them a show. Germanicus has powerful friends. He can't just thumb his nose at them. Hmm? So he gives them a trial. But a trial is one thing, a conviction, that's another. That he'd never allow, because if we're guilty, so is he, and so is his mother. He knows that, and the Senate does. We did what we were asked to. Harrison provoked Germanicus into showing his hand. But did that include bringing about his death as well? Yes, well, that was your idea. Plancina guesses correctly that Piso is already planning his plan B. In case, in case Tiberius gets pissed off, he's going to throw his own wife under the... What would be a bus in Rome? Like a chariot. A chariot. Like a really long chariot. Yeah. (laughs) Under the double decoratorist chariot. (laughs) And she's like, oh no, oh no. 
But before they can, before they can uh, really get into it, ding dong, who's at the door? Guess what? Sejanus. Now ch- jowls that glowed with pride tremble with fear as Patrick Stewart with hair comes in and says, The emperor asked me to ask you for the letters. The letters? Since they're documents of state, they should be placed in the archives. After all, they might get stolen or fall into the wrong hands. If only there was a trumpeter there, an imperial trumpeter who could play the boom, 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 when the price is right. Because that's how his face falls as he realizes, oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. He does a lot. This guy does a lot with his face. He's a really good actor. And of course, I love the lines where he's like trying to, he's trying to figure out some angle on this. And he's like, well, just remind the emperor that I remember the letters. (laughs) I, I treasure in my mind every word he says like, yeah, okay. That's not going to protect you, dummy. And Plancina knows. Plancina knows what's coming. So Janus is going to go straight to Tiberius and say, you got to get rid of these two because they are a total liability. And that is exactly what happens mm-hmm. in the next scene as we cut to a close-up, almost near kiss between Patrick Stewart with hair and Tiberius the Emperor as Sejanus explains that the mob is against Piso and, they ha- and Tiberius has to cut them loose, even though he likes them for some reasons. <laughs> I mean, who knows? <laughs> Uh, oh, well, nothing ever goes Tiberius's way. Mwah. And he sulks <laughs> off. And he sulks off like he literally turns from one darkened corner to another and Agrippina is right there. It's like a jump scare. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's so strange that everyone's always talking about secret things they don't want people to know about when everyone else is just kind of wandering around these these open hallways all the time. Yeah, and... <laughs> It's like it's she pops up like he's in a he's in a shooting range at the police academy. Right. And he she, and he has to he has to figure out in a split second whether to unload on her or not. Yeah. Uh, but uh, he does not. She unloads on him. Mm-hmm. She says, I and all of Rome hold you responsible for my husband's death and will do so until you prove your innocence. He's like, well, oh, sad trombone for me. <laughs> but there's a reveal. In their conversation, Agrippina reveals that she is convinced that Sejanus has Martina under his under his uh, control. That they lost that the Team C, Claudius, the Claude Squad. That's what we should have called them the whole time. Claude oh squad. yeah, the Claude Squad. Yeah, the C Men was a reference to X Men. Mm-hmm. Claudius and Agrippina and their friends are now forever known now as the Claude Squad. Mm-hmm. The Claude reference Squad to had the, to Martina. The Mod squad, a much a much uh, more viable reference. <laughs> It sounds better. It does sound better, yeah. Semen doesn't make sense. Also, it sounds (laughs) like semen. It sounds like semen, that's true. Which I didn't even know. All right. (laughs) Look, this is an adult podcast. (laughs) We're allowed to have adult homonyms on this one. (laughs) Right. Just to to refresh your memory as to the past the football game with Martina the Poisoner. Martina is the poisoner from Syria uh, that the Claude Squad had had in seclusion in that rented room mm-hmm. to produce to the Senate to testify that she was ordered to poison Germanicus by Piso and Plancina. But then she disappeared. And Agrippina re- reveals here that she presumes that Tiberius and Sejanus now have her and will either kill her or get rid of her or somehow use her to, to determine the outcome of what's going to happen in the trial. But then after she leaves in a huff, Sejanus reveals, we don't have her. We don't know where she is. Cut to who? Why, it's our old friend, 
Plancina. No, just kidding. It's Livia, an actual old friend of ours. <laughs> an actual character that we love. And who is she feasting at home and secretly in her cardboard room? Uh, well, I have to assume it's Martina. Martina. Uh, we, haven't, we haven't seen her before, but Martina is, surprisingly for a poisoner, she is just wolfing down food and wine <laughs> and just like, it looks like she hasn't eaten in days. Yeah. She, so Livia is the one who found Martina and took her secretly. No one knows that Livia has her under her control. And mm-hmm. the two of them just sit down to the most, a poisoner's brunch. And what other poisons do you use? Have you ever tried aconite, for instance? Aconite? Now what's that? Well, the roots look very like horseradish, but it'll do more than clear your head if you eat it. Oh, yes, bless you, lady. I know the one you mean. You mean wolfsbane. Well, that's what we call it. It came originally from India. Yeah, I never knew that. <laughs> I bet you didn't know its antidote, either. Morphine? You have made a study of it. Mm-hmm. Of course, I don't worry too much about antidotes. Oh, well, you never know. Sometimes some fool of a slave will get the bowls mixed up. <laughs> I can see you've read a lot. It's a pity in a way you don't get a chance to practice. You'll be very good. Thank you. It may be the only time in the series that I feel like I've seen Livia really like in conversation with someone who's not an equal necessarily, but someone who, for the moment at least, she doesn't have like a stratagem she's pulling on them or she's not just trying to get something from them. She's really like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is someone I can finally talk to about my greatest interest, poisoning. Yeah, she's generally interested. And, and you know, Martina goes, oh, it's a pity, dear lady, that you never got to practice actual poisoning. And Olivia's like, don't worry about it. Yeah, Olivia, Olivia should have looked to camera John Krasinski in the office style and just like, well, audience, you know how it went. <laughs> And so uh, what Martina reveals to Livia here is what we have begun to suspect, which is that indeed the way all that witchy stuff made it through those tiny windows into those private chambers is that she recruited Caligula to do the poisoning and to lay all that creepy stuff around because Caligula had said to her, little Caligula, our little friend, had said to her that he believed that he was a god, and she said, "Mm, I can use this to my advantage. Why don't we play the death game? See if you can frighten a man to death, say your own father. And Caligula did so happily and willingly. And Livia is like, "Mm, that's very interesting. And then Martina gets a stomach cramp, and she's like, oh yeah, maybe it wasn't the wisest thing to sit down to a poisoner's (laughs) shop talk sesh. And eat and all just, the food quickly. Just, just, just shovel all the food in my mouth while you sit there eating nothing, my hostess. <laughs> I bet Livia was like, what are you talking about? It's just wind. And Livia's like, if I wanted to, I wouldn't do it myself. There's, there's almost a moment where she's like insulted that Martina thought Livia might poison her at this moment. Right, because that would have been extremely crude of Livia yeah. to do that. Yeah, so... Martina does not die. She is just being held in reserve by Livia as we cut back to the cardboard Senate. Piso stands defiantly with all his jowls and scrolls. Martina is still missing. So Piso's attorney demands that the charges be withdrawn. Piso is like, yeah, I'm all happy jowls about that. But Tiberius is all, <laughs> no way. Request denied. And then, and then scared puppy eyes from Piso and knowing that it's all going to end badly for him. And then uh, Plancina begs to be tried separately because she knows her husband is about to die. And and so and, the uh, the thing is, he's he's also he's not just on trial for poisoning or murder, rather I guess you would call it. He's also on trial for treason and insubordination in the way that he handled losing power and then trying to regain it. So he's in he's in 
big trouble. Even if they found Martina, and, or even if they didn't, never found Martina, he'd still be in big trouble, which I think he's kind of forgotten by this point. Well, right. He, he, he has this uh, full shocked jowl mode. He does not yet know that he is going to die. So then we cut back. We're home at the Pizos, and he cannot understand why Plancina is betraying him by separating her defense from his. And she explains to him that it's because he's a dum-dum and he's going to get got. And uh, Plancina suggests, you know, that there, there is more to this than just proving his innocence. If you take your life, there's a chance. And a good one that an honorable death will preserve the family wealth. Well, execution means only one thing. Destruction for all we've built. But Pizzo thinks it over and goes, mm, nah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a baby boomer. I'm the most important one in the world. I'm an immortal and my generation is the best. So go tell Livia I have another letter that directly implicates her and he will read it aloud in the Senate. Cut two. George Baker as Tiberius, open-mouthed. One of the great, like, <laughs> shocked. Like, what? <laughs> it's hilarious how he is both so taken aback because Livia is sitting right in front of him going like, oh, yeah, that's true. They do have a letter that directly implicates <laughs> that I wrote to them. That was that like, directly hey, implicates you and me. <laughs> They're saying like, uh, my son, Tiberius, and I want you to go gaslight my gaslight Germanicus and kill him and poison him and make it look like crazy witchcraft. And Tiberius is like, what? Why <laughs> are you like, it's very rare that you feel sympathy for Tiberius, but he's truly just like, well, I'm just trying. I never wanted this. <laughs> Why could you just leave me alone? That his, his mother has this poisoning addiction and keeps dragging him into it. And it's like, oh boy. So but the, pro <laughs> the problem, the problem here is that she doesn't want the letter read aloud in the Senate. Which it for can be because, because it doesn't have the imperial seal on it because she wrote it when he was out of town and right. they get into a little spat over how he doesn't let her use the imperial seal and Augustus used to let her use the imperial seal and it's like Augustus, Augustus, Augustus. I'm not your, <laughs> I'm not your ex-husband, okay? Or former husband, not ex-husband. So she wants him to acquit them right away so the thing doesn't get read in the, tri in the trial and he wants, of course, wants to put them, throw them under the extra long chariot so that the mob doesn't roll, uh, you know, rise up against him. So he just gets, he's like, F it. I'll, I'm going to let them read it. And I will. And if it implicates you, I'll say I knew nothing about it. And I'll just say that you're old and infirm and I'll throw you under all the extra long chariots <laughs> there are in Rome. Cut to outer cardboard chamber. Livia's come out. There's Plancina. Plancina like, did you get us off the hook? And she said, no, I can't. I can't get you off the hook. He's going to put Pizzo uh, to death. But in exchange for the letter, and this is something she's just making up off the top of her head. If you give me that implicating letter, he will allow Pizzo to take his own life and your family to keep its fortunes. And, uh, and Livia says, give me the letter and I will, and I will help your family. And she, she makes it clear. She has Martina. And if the letter is read, Livia will be compelled to produce Martina and con and convict them both. But if she gets the letter back, uh, she will not, uh, she will help them. So we cut back home with the Pizos. Plancina brings the news. <laughs> this is the shocking series finale of the Pizos. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> They're like, Plancina's like, uh, why don't we go out to dinner and listen to some Journey on the Jukebox? Because this is the end for you. She said, we are cut out. It's all over. And Pizos like, I'm going to read... I'm going to, they're bluffing. I'm going to read that letter in the Senate and I'm going to throw a lot of jowl into it and it's going to work. 
And Plincina's like, will you just finally kill yourself, you useless hunk of jowl? I'll even do it with you. And we'll die together. We'll commit suicide together like proper Romans. And he's like into it for a sec. He's like, like, you would kill yourself with me? The greatest gift a wife can give to a husband? (laughs) And he's like, okay, I'm going to do it. You're right. I'm going to do it. 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 Oh, I'm going to bring this plastic knife out of my secret toga pocket. I'm going to put it. (laughs) Let me dig right in my into, wrist. into the rubber latex cement that's been attached to my wrist so I right. can dig in a little bit. And then he was like, no, no, they're bluffing. I'm chickening out. I'm the greatest generation. I'll always be powerful and relevant and meaningful. And Plancina is so disgusted <laughs> with him. And she said, you coward. Well, I'm made of sterner stuff. Plancina. I'll show you how a Roman should die. When she grabs the knife and stabs him. And... <laughs> Stabs Piso to death, and her disgust with him is delicious. Yeah, there was a moment there where he he like holds the knife after she's let go, and I was like, oh, to cover up her fingerprints. Then I was like, wait, they didn't have fingerprints back then. I mean, people had them, but they didn't know about them. So I was like, I was looking at it as if it was going to be a crime scene. But but yeah, she is so she's she's really. I think she she kills him for the good of her family, and also it's just like, ugh, I'm done with this guy. Like. How, how did I end up with this lug? And yeah. it's, I, I never watched The King of Queens, but I assume that's how that show ended too. Yeah, it's, it's, it was, it's remarkably similar, yeah. <laughs> so we next cut to creepy old Caligula long before he dreamed of an organic holding in Ireland. Well, creepy young Caligula, I mean. Little Caligula. Mm-hmm. The creepy, one that we've creepy been dealing young with old Caligula. Yeah. yeah, right. And he's enjoying a merry fire as a scroll is burned. But I don't know where he is in this world. I don't know if that's supposed to be the letter, the the letter that Livia wants from Plancina, and that's being destroyed, or if it's some other thing that Caligula is burning just for the heck of it. It's very unclear, and it's like I wonder if because I also had the same issue. You just suddenly see papers burning, and Caligula is there, and it is not the 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 line is never really drawn between that. But I guess you could read between the lines that Martina has already told Livia. Caligula is someone that you can work with. And perhaps right. Livia has talked to Caligula and said, I need this letter gone. Can you take care of it for me? But all we all that we really know is that he is he has lit a fire and it's possible that he just loves fire. Like uh like uh the the brother locked in the attic in the old dark house uh, that they're all afraid of, that he just likes fire. Just likes lighting houses on fire. Well, it's funny because I've seen this thing probably V I I or V I I I times now. <laughs> and I've never caught this before, but he's burning some letter and you half expect the camera to pull back and you see Livia sitting behind him. Yeah. But that's not what happens because as we learn in the next scene, we cut back to that, to that same dining room, the hall of justice for the Claude squad, their meeting spot, (laughs) their HQ. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're all lying around eating food again. Nacrapina is, is de-expositioning us out of this saying that, uh, you know, okay, Pizzo is dead, but Plancina is still free. At some justice, says Claudius. She yeah. goes, yeah, but I'm worried Claudius about gives my... Us the, once again, gives us the title of the episode. <laughs> right. Well, it's named, the whole thing's named after him. He gets the title every episode. It's part of <laughs> protagonist, protagonist Priv. <laughs> but she goes, she's worried, but she's still worried about her sons, not just little Caligula who's in bed, but these two, Drusus and Nero, and flanking her on either side are these two, these two child actors just shoving chicken into their face in the most disgusting <laughs> way. <laughs> Oh, but where is Caligula really, after all? Servant runs in. Caligula just burned the house down. 
So Caligula's in that house setting the house on fire for reasons unknown. Yes. He is, and who knows what that what that thing was supposed to be that he was setting on fire? Whether it was I mean, a there's, or not. as we've seen, there's so many scrolls just lying around. I mean, if it's yeah. any, if let's just say, if the Imperial Palace is anything like my house, there is a dining room table that is meant to have dinner on it, and yet one half of it is covered in mail, and that could just be what he found. And certainly, I've had times where I'm like, I don't want to have to sort through all this stuff. Why don't I just light it all on fire? And maybe I'll lose some bills. Maybe I'll lose some junk mail. Maybe a New Yorker magazine but I won't have to sort through it and clean this table. Maybe that's what Caligula's going through, in which case I, for the first time in my life, really relate to Caligula. Take that line, out of context, <laughs> put it on the poster. <laughs> I don't know what's going on, but all I know is that the Claude Squad has to, has to find a new HQ. <laughs> but in the meantime, <laughs> we cut back to the framing device, back to the Emperor's Latrine, which was the alternate title for this episode, I suppose. <laughs> Where... Where Claudius has fallen asleep on the toilet and his own toga is burning on the lamp. It's a fiery toilet segue from one fire of the past to fire in the present. But he stamps it up. He stamps out the fire and walks out without saying anything. The end. Mm-hmm. Elliot, what do you think about this framing device? What do you think about this episode? I, uh, I, I The framing device uh, starting to feel a little tired at this point. If, they much just, like Claudius. They just introduced the toilet motif. <laughs> That's true. It's a but there's fresh also new, fresh new day in framing devices. <laughs> the uh, the fire at the end leading to his toga being on fire. It starts makes me start to wonder. So is this really what he remembers, or is he just dreaming all this? And whatever's happening around him is is leaching into it. Because if this, I could see if they had made this movie in like the cool 1990s, there'd be a lot of questions about what's really happening and what he's just misremembering or what, what things it's made out of, real usual suspect style. But uh, this episode, it was the first episode since the first episode where I felt like, okay, this is kind of like, this is really not, it didn't have that, that spark and that dynamic quality. That the previous episodes had, but there's yeah. still a lot of. But that scene with Livia and Martina is so good that, like, yeah. even in the middle of if this, where it's a lot of like Caligula, hmm, I better keep my eye on you, or you might get into trouble. Or like, we have to talk about Piso and Plancina. Who? Piso and Plancina, your good friends. He was governor of Syria, and then they and they poisoned Germanicus. Like, even amid all that, there's still these moments where it's like, oh, I'm glad I saw that. Like, that's that's a fantastic moment. Well, especially following on the heels of the the death scene of Augustus, Brian Blessed, a.k.a. Boss Nass, at the end of the last episode, the last episode being truly, uh, the, uh, Poisonous Queen, being truly one of the best episodes of the series. It's This one does feel a little bit like, you know, classic mid-season filler. Like, we, we got to get to 12 episodes so we can get into <laughs> British syndication. I do wonder if there's, at the end of the series, I wonder if, looking back, if you could lose this whole episode, because so much of it is just the 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 ballad of Piso and Plancina and just uh yeah if you just lose that it's not i mean cuz what do we what do we learn from it Tiberius is a jerk Livia's a jerk Caligula's a jerk like we kind of knew a lot of this stuff already and right. well we do see the formation of the Claude squad <laughs> that's true we do get the formation of the Claude squad we get introduced to Gershon who I, I assume is going to be a major character uh as the fil- as the show goes on sure enough and he and he becomes a, a, a much more nuanced representation <laughs> oh, yeah. of ancient jewish life nope he disappears forever take, take it back uh, all right never mind then uh but it, it does make me yeah it, it makes sense it's like this lull after after a real high but it makes me curious about the next episode what's gonna happen in that one right sometimes you need this in shows but 
In the meantime, speaking of uh, speaking of the death scene of uh, Brian Blessed, aka uh, Emperor Augustus, aka Boss Nass, I have a dispatch from the Empire to read to you, Elliot. That's your name, is it? <laughs> yes. Sorry, there's a lot of names to keep track of here. A lot of names. I could I be apologize. Pizzo. I could be right. Martina. Right. As, as as you know, we are we are on the we are on the hunt to uh, to speak to some cast members. I don't know that it's going to be possible. Who knows? We're trying, after all. But in my first effort, I reached out to my one connection to Brian Blessed, and that is in the person of my friend Dan Stewart, who has, who has met him many times. And he says, and my question to him was, first of all, is Brian Blessed still alive? <laughs> <laughs> Always good to get that out of the way first before you ask a favor. I mean, on Wikipedia, it's, you know, but I could have missed something. He's still alive on Wikipedia, <laughs> but I was like, he's got to be quite old, too. Like, do you think he would be open to a conversation? Dan, Dan wrote back, not only is Brian still living, he is spectacularly alive. I think he just finished a tour of his book that came out. It's called The Panther in My Kitchen. <laughs> that sounds great. Did you know he used to have a zoo in his house? If you speak to him, or rather if you get a chance to speak during your conversation with him, if you get a chance to speak during your quote conversation with him, you should ask him about his zoo. He had a lot of animals in his back garden, like elephants and panthers. <laughs> and then apropos of nothing, I didn't bring it up, but Dan just says, you know, his death scene in I, Claudius was famous for how long the camera was on him while he slowly died. He managed to keep his eyes open without blinking for what felt like hours. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that's, that's an update on where, what Brian Blessed is doing in this world. But Dan, of course, is, my, is a very old friend of mine that uh, uh, I've known for many, many years. His wife, Mary, who is an, an actor now in London, as, along with Dan used to teach high school with my wife years and years ago, and we all became pals. They, Dan and Mary now live in London. And Dan is a, 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 a wonderful actor and, per, and person in his own right, also having to be the son of Patrick Stewart. So don't let it be said that Hodgman isn't working all the angles. No, no, he's, you're working all, you're like a regular uh, uh, Livia or Caligula, just trying to, trying to get, do whatever you Wait, can to get what, what we want. I'm trying to have sex with my sister? I'm an only child. <laughs> Well, maybe maybe uh, I went a little bit too far I'm when not, I said that. I'm not trying to contact Brian Blessed so I can poison him. <laughs> I would like to talk to him about the scene with the watermelon from last time. Oh, something. But, and also, it he was in, it, according to Wikipedia, Brian Blessed was also in Z Cars. So even though he didn't share an episode of I, Claudius with Stratford Johns, we can talk to him about those jowls if we want to. Yeah, and definitely w w wait for our follow-up podcast, Z Cars. <laughs> I have no idea what the show Z Cars is about, and I do not want to know. I am picturing cars that are shaped like the letter Z. Uh, you will be disappointed. I won't tell you what it was really about. All right. Finally, we have a letter here from Michelle. Dear John and Elliot, I've got a doozy of an I, Claudius memory for you. I was, I'm fairly certain, one of the first I, Claudius superfans to grace the internet. Back in the halcyon days of the early aughts, I rediscovered my teenage obsession with I, Claudius, and with the popularity of online quizzes, I decided that this was the best venue to share said obsession. I'm the creator of the original Which I, Claudius Character Are You quiz, still accessible on its original home at tripod.com. Talk about ancient history. <laughs> so uh, I took this quiz. You took the quiz as well. Yes. Michelle uh, explains what iClaudius is all about here on this real, I mean, truly, this is a trip through time to go to this website. This tripod website is incredibly rudimentary, like rudimentary wings almost. That you would find on a cat. Yeah. And then she asks a bunch of questions and you, it's a, it's a multiple choice answers, personality quiz. So 
for example, I'll ask you, because you, you've already taken it, but just to give them a flavor. Mm-hmm. It's Friday night, Elliot. Where are you? A, sitting in bed with my library with books. B, planning for tomorrow. People depend on me. Or C, orgy, baby. Uh, and for me, personally, it would be sitting in my library with my books. Right. Now, what you don't say is there's actually many more choices yeah, for that question. I wasn't going to read them all. It's a very thorough quiz. <laughs> How would you like to be remembered? A, as a great leader who overthrew a corrupt government. B, as the perfect mother. C, a 60-foot-tall marble statue in my hometown. (laughs) (laughs) That one is obvious for me. C, all the way. (laughs) Your new book book is is basically about your failure to get yourself to the 60-foot-tall marble statue status, right? Yeah, Yeah, that's right. I didn't get get marble statue status. But there's still time. Yep, and you can read read about all of my... My wins and losses in medallion status. The new book like John Hodgman, Bitlock Loose, slash medallion status, always be plugging, M-E-D-A-L-L-I-O-N-S-T-A-T-U-S. All capital letters, all one word. Anyway, medallion status is available now or soon. Elliot, I took this quiz and I did not like the results. You took this quiz and you said you did not like the results. I know our producer Jordan also took the quiz and was surprised, let's say surprised by the results, would you say? Yes. She seemed surprised. Right. And you seemed surprised too. Well, it was, I wasn't, I was partly, I was a little surprised, but mo- I was unhappy with how, uh, how on brand my answer was. Oh, interesting. Yeah. All right. So on the count of three, we'll both say, <laughs> be I, 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 and then say who, who Michelle's personality quiz chose for you as which character you most resembled. Are you ready? Okay. Uh, and I'll I, say, I'll do the same. Okay. I, I, I. I, 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 Tiberius. Claudius. Oh, Claudius. wow. Tiberius for you. Wow. Yeah, that was not, that was not fun to hear. Even from <laughs> no. a tripod personality quiz <laughs> no, made 20 years ago or whatever. One of the, maybe the worst one. That's pretty bad. Well, I guess Caligula would probably be the worst one. But as far as we know, he's just a little kid who gets into trouble. I was disappointed that I, it chose Claudius for me. And it's like, yeah, because I love to read and yeah. I occasionally am socially awkward and didn't love childhood. So it was like, uh, I wanted something surprising. Much the same way that uh, my wife and I, we recently did 23 and Me, And we're like, what surprises are we going to find in our in our history, in our background? And I think mine came back 99.5% Ashkenazi Jewish. And hers came back 99.7% Ashkenazi <laughs> Jewish. So we were like, oh, okay. Nothing interesting there. <laughs> just been, it's just yep. been, and we looked yep. at our children. And we're like, "Yep, you have no interesting surprises in your back in in your histories." Yeah. So to to get don't Claudius don't do was, what your mother and I did: waste our money and our spit. <laughs> don't waste your money and then spit in a tube and mail it to somebody. Just know that you're you're as Jewish as it gets. But well, the, you know, look, you can spit in your, a tube and mail it to someone. That's fine. That's your right. <laughs> Yeah, just don't I mean, expect don't expect genetic surprises back. Maybe just expect a, a weird lawsuit. <laughs> but uh, the I, so Tiberius, how could it lead you to such a thing? Oh wow! I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I did. What I did in there to merit this. Now we have not yet. <laughs> we we have not yet gotten to the episode in which Tiberius goes full degenerate monster, which is the next episode. That's a tease. Uh-huh. The next episode is um, called. It's called Queen uh, of Heaven. Queen of Heaven, and it's it's one of the good ones. Um, but I can sort of I after I thought about because I I think about George Baker's performance a lot, and I and I really focus on a lot, especially this viewing, and how how human I find him to be, 
in his in his anger and his reluctance to um be emperor but his i don't know i think there is something clearly that is resonating with me in him and that maybe requires extra work but we'll talk more about that <laughs> later let's check in with our let's pr- check in with our producer jordan who of course has also been talking to her mom about i claudius uh, so I sent you a quiz that everyone on the show has taken. John Hodgman's taken this quiz. Elliot Kalin has taken this quiz. And now you, uh, my mom, Avis, and I, Jordan, have taken this quiz as well. It is the Which I, Claudius Character Are You quiz. It's funny because I texted this quiz to you. I sent you a text message. And um, I'm going to put you on the spot for a second because I sent you this text message. I asked you to take the quiz. You ignored Yes, yes, yes. I- you know, I got stuff to do. I understand. You ignored my request. I followed up with you as a good daughter does via text message because you are a, a, an older millennial and uh, you had completely forgotten about it. Uh, so I, 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 I reminded you that I needed you to take the quiz. You took the quiz uh, and uh, you got some surprising results. I'm going to put you on blast. I got a text message from you today. You said, okay, I just took it, and I don't really understand. Sejanus was a different color, so I guess that's my result. And I told you, and you said, I don't remember him. <laughs> yes, I'm so- sorry to this man. <laughs> you asked me what I would do if I found a $100 bill. I didn't see it. In the- I didn't see any options there. So, yes, that was one of the questions. You find a $100 bill on the sidewalk. Do you donate it to charity, buy something nice for yourself, give it to your mom after she finds out you have it? Sounds like a Tiberius move there. Uh, leave it alone. It isn't yours. Uh, or you could use it to buy booze for a big party. You could save it for a rainy day. Sounds pretty boring. Uh, or you could buy something nice for the entire family. Let me say something to you, Michelle. If you're listening, I live in Philadelphia, okay, and it is wintertime. Do you know how high my utility bills are? If you find $100 on the street, you are going to pay a bill, Michelle, okay? Thank you. Listener Michelle, thank you for creating this quiz, and thank you for for, uh, writing in to us. This is why my mother got Sejanus, because... She is a selfish social climber, apparently. <laughs> Trying to pay my bills, Michelle. So, um, Mom, don't don't feel bad because I also took this quiz, and not only did I not only did I take this quiz with the knowledge that I knew I wanted to have a certain kind of result, but I tried to actually uh, cheat so that I could get the desired result, uh, and I I still because I'm a cheater. I still ended up with Sejanus. So both you and I are um, social climbers who will backstab anyone. uh, And we have a a luscious, full head of hair, just like Patrick Stewart in the miniseries. I reject that. I reject that. Oh, no. Some of these questions. But I'll let it stand. But I'll say this to you. The apple don't fall too far from the tree. Thank you, Jordan and Avis. I can't wait to hear their spinoff sitcom, Jordan and Avis. I know. We've got a lot of spinoffs. Yeah. I mean, I love that we're, we're moving away even just from spinoffs of I, I, Claudius, to spinoffs of this show. Yeah, I know. Which I can't wait. I think it's going to be great. Yeah. No, look, the, the, the world demands more. Uh, next time, as re- referred earlier, we will be watching Claudius episode VI, Queen of Heaven, in which Tiberius, a.k.a. John Hodgman, becomes a degenerate monster. <laughs> and I assume Claudius, a.k.a. Ellie Kalen, will 
use the bathroom again or sit around or get irritated with something. <laughs> and Caligula, a.k.a. John Hurt, uh, truly emerges as one of the weirdest, funnest, oddball, and awful evil characters that I've ever seen on television. But until then, thank you, Michelle Villanueva. I hope I pronounced your name correctly for letting us uh, click to your click over to your iClaudius personality quiz. You can find a link for that quiz. Oh, you know what? I made a I made a bit.ly for it, so people go right there. It's a bit.ly bit.ly slash Claudius Quiz. If you want to find out why John Hodgman is secretly a degenerate Roman emperor, <laughs> you know what? Now that I say that that way, it makes perfect sense. I don't now even I know get why. It. Yeah. <laughs> You can go over there. Again, thank you to Jordan Cowling. Our senior producer is Laura Swisher. And if you're watching iClaudius as you listen to this podcast, please tell us about your reaction to the show. He is at Hodgman on Twitter and at John Hodgman on Instagram. And I am at Elliot Kalin on Twitter. Our theme song, which I think must be called the theme for iClaudius, as another name that's real I don't know, was performed in this case by our friend Paul F. Tompkins. And all of this exists thanks to you, members of Maximum Fun. For now, goodbye from I, John Hodgman. And I, Elliot Kalin. And we'll talk more later. MaximusFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported. Peso and Plancina.